Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. I'm excited to be at Dwell Church, and um, right now I'm in Palm Desert, California with Aos University. We're a rowdy bunch over there in Palm Springs. But we love, we love the Binions. I was with them last night eating, thinking to myself, thank you, Lord, for these talented creative anointed people you all have such fantastic pastors here at this church and more than just that gifted and anointed pastors well we all know um they're musically inclined but but pastor david gave to me his book on the book of revelation and the interesting thing is that i'm working currently in my thesis, my doctoral work in the book of Revelation. And so he handed it to me. And I'm a professor at Moody Bible Institute as well. And I do a lot of grading and I grade a lot of papers and I have seen a lot of bad papers. (laughs) And I have seen a lot of bad work done. And so I opened up the book and to my delight, I found one of the most wonderful contemporary works on the book of Revelation that I have read in a long time. When you examine the book of Revelation, you expect to hear a lot of gloom and doom and the nukes are coming and the world's about to end. You know, embrace yourself, go get a a survival kit with cans and dry goods and then hide yourself in the basement because the clock is ticking. But I found none of that in Pastor David's book. I found something that encouraged me, lifted me up, and made me want to know the one who was and is and is still to come. So thank God for the Binion family. A couple books that I brought with me I do like to write. I just came out with a new book called Winks from Scripture. You can't miss it in the bookstore because it's yellow. They sent me the cover to this. and I said, it's, they said, what do you think? I said, well, it sure is yellow. It looks like a banana. But it's in the back. This book is about suffering. It's about going through the, the disappointments of life, but knowing that God is there and he's winking. And I firmly believe that the way that God works in our life is subtly, that God doesn't always do the obvious thing if he... You think he's doing the obvious thing. It's probably not him. He does the subtle thing, and we really don't see God doing it until we look in hindsight and realize he's been with me the whole entire time. So look at the subtle things and not always the obvious thing. We've trained ourselves to be obvious sometimes, but this will show you how to look for the subtle, the winks, the little things. And then I brought, I didn't bring this one with me. You can go on Amazon and get it, but this is, I'd give it away, but it's Pastor David's copy. I don't think he'd like that very much. But this is called Greek Word Study. One of my areas and expertise is I went and got my master's degree in exegetical Greek. I'll be teaching out of this book this morning. Sometimes people say, how did you do that with that word? Or where did you find that word at? Or where did you get that Greek word? And how did you discover that? And I I put it all in here. And so there are 90, 90 Greek words that you can go through and have some fun. It's written in a contemporary way where you can just enjoy it on your porch in Texas with a glass of, did you guys drink sweet tea here? Yeah? Okay, sweet tea. All right, sweet tea. There you go. Amen? Go ahead. You can take those. I thought you were going to say, you said 90 Greek words. I thought you were going to say it's $90. 90 bucks. There you go. 90 bucks. I'm one of those kind of preachers. $90. That's what we're charging. No, no. I want you to like me. If you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Can we have some fun here today? All right. Let's have a little fun. Let's lighten it up tonight. We're going to have an anointing service. God's going to move. So if I don't see you there, I'll know what you thought of this sermon this morning. (laughs) If I don't see you there, I'll see you in heaven. Amen. (laughs) First grace. (laughs) Hopefully. You know what? If I don't see you there, I probably won't see you in heaven. How's that? 
I'm a teacher, so I'm going to teach. And, and my friend says we start low and move slow. We rise higher and catch fire. But I don't really do that much preaching. So we're just going to start low and move slow and, and leave it at that. How's that? I'm joking. First Corinthians, <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. This is what it says here. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters, for you ladies out there. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, and not many were noble birth. Now, I've always found this a really interesting text, because imagine the Corinthian church reading this and thinking, what are you trying to say about us, Paul? (laughs) We're all the C students. (laughs) Verse number 27, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Let's bow our head and bless the word as we enter this this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Dwell Church and those that are here this morning. And I pray that as this word goes forth, that you would open up the heart of every individual. Holy Spirit, anoint this message. May it not be the words of a preacher but may it be the words of your Holy Spirit imparting to every individual what they need this morning to know your son Jesus deeper in Jesus' name. Amen Amen. and amen. I have a lot of Italian in me, and that means that as an Italian, I have quite a lot of dysfunction. (laughs) If you're not familiar with Italian families, just watch The Sopranos and you'll get the picture that is my family right there a lot of dysfunction and because of that i've needed a lot of sanctification some of you need more sanctification than the others right you know what i'm talking about so when i read this verse that it says that god chose the weak things of the world i know that this verse is talking particularly about me that when god chose me he wasn't choosing somebody that was strong, he was choosing somebody that had a whole world on the inside of them that was full of dysfunction, problems, and difficulties that was going to need to come under the care and the attention of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. I say that every day when I'm making decisions in my head and I choose the right thing and then consider the wrong thing, I say, thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. That could have gotten me in a big mess. Now, here's the kicker. When it says that he chose the weak things of the world, the Greek word is the word moranos. And it doesn't take a Greek scholar to know what that word might mean. Look at your neighbor and say, God chose you, moron. I didn't say it. Paul said it. That's the word moron. I've done some moronic things. But I think particularly about the time in 2015 where I was dating a young sweet gal who wanted my heart. And at that time, I was doing a lot of international preaching and traveling. And I wasn't used to being in a serious relationship. Up until that point, Pastor David, it was just me and Jesus, and Jesus and me, and me and Jesus, and Jesus and me. And I didn't know the dynamics of my life had to change. And I was traveling the world, enjoying the travel and enjoying the planes and thinking I was really cool, flying around, saving the world. And I was in Brazil, and I had to fly from Sao Paulo to Fort Lauderdale. And she told me, guys, you know what they say. When you land, let me know. How many guys have heard that one before? How many ladies have said that one before? And I landed. And I made a huge mistake. I checked in on Facebook. And forgot to text her. I got off the plane, I went through customs, I had lunch, 
or dinner or whatever it was. <laughs> and I called her and she said, did you make it? I said, yeah. And she goes, I know. I said, how did you know? And she said, I saw your Facebook post. <laughs> and she said, why didn't you text me? I said, well, I was going through security. She said, I wanted to know, come on guys, if you're okay. And me, being the dysfunctional Italian that I am, said this. Guys, don't ever say what I said to her. <laughs> Women, have a little mercy on me this morning. It's my first time here. I said, if you turn on the news and don't see an airplane in the water, you can assume I am okay. <laughs> There was a silence on the end of the phone, the space of a half hour. <laughs> cricket, cricket, cricket. Needless to say, that relationship didn't last long. And here I am today, dysfunctional as ever. I told my dad that because he was wondering where she had been. We had broken up to no one's surprise. And I told him what I said. And he looked at me and he said, Christopher, my son, you are a moron. Yes. <laughs> Here I am, the moron, delivering the word of God this morning. If you're watching online, I am so sorry I said that to you. Please forgive me. But the word moron in the Greek means an individual who is incapable of leading themselves without help. Wow. You are incapable of leading yourself without help. As someone who has been affected by the curse of sin, now we have redemption through Jesus, but we live in a fallen world that's still full of temptations. When God chose you, the Greek is literally telling you that he chose you as somebody who needed a lot of help yeah. as you traverse throughout this life. Yeah, yeah. You need help in your marriage. Yeah. You need help in your ministry. You need help in your job. You need help as a parent. Yes. How do you raise kids in a technology age where everybody's Snapchatting and Instagramming and reeling and vining and doing YouTubing and got burner accounts and this account and that account and a new app comes out every day. How do you parent with all of this going on? Yeah. And God looks at you as somebody who is incapable of figuring it out without the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at your moron neighbor and tell him this morning... It's okay, you have help. Tell him it's going to be all right. He sent to you the Holy Spirit. But he says that he chose the weak things of the world to shame the wise. The, weak, the word here, weak in the Greek, is asthene. And it means somebody who on their own stumbles along. Somebody, can I come off the stage? Okay. Sometimes I come off the stage and the, the soundman afterwards wants to wring my neck. He's like, I didn't, the sound, I got in trouble from the pastor because the sound sounded bad. It's your fault. <laughs> it means somebody who, who stumbles along the way. Yeah. You know, in your BC days before, you know, you used to go to the bar, you come out of the bar and walk in like a drunk man, right? Mm -hmm. It's that kind of person. Or maybe I'll give you an example for you that, that like to work out. The worst part of working out, which you can tell by now, I don't do a whole lot of lately, is leg day. How many know what leg day is? Leg day is when you go to the gym and you work on those legs. And if you have a personal trainer, they kill you on leg day. One of my buddies was a professional football player and he wanted to work out with me. He said, why don't we get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and work out? I said, why do we not? There are other times of the day you can work out other than 5 a.m. And those people that get up and work out at 5 a.m., you ever notice, they always got to tell you on Instagram they're working out at 5 a.m. How do you know somebody works out? They'll tell you online that they work out. Yes. 
the morons. How do you know that somebody's a vegan? They post about it, right? Plant, I'm a plant-based vegan preacher. Okay. It's okay if you're a vegan. I mean, I'm not. I eat meat. I eat cows. Okay. You can't, if, if I, I'm an Italian, if I told my family that I'm gluten-free and vegan-free, they would disown me. They'd say, we don't know you. They, leg day, your, your legs after, he, so he would work out, he'd make us pump iron and do this stuff and he'd kill me on leg day and at that, he hated me at that. And I remember walking out and my legs felt like jello. Right, right. Just couldn't walk all day, trying to go through the day, just like this, the whole like, rubber band legs. This is you without the help of the Holy Spirit, stumbling out of the gym, trying to find your way, walking around like a drunk man, can't make your own decisions. You need a lot of help this morning. Yes. But I got news for you. He sent to you the comforter. John 16, go there with me as we move. It's okay if you feel incapable. You are incapable. John chapter 16. Now, John is a very interesting book. I'll be ministering from it this evening, I believe. Unless, you know, I change my message, right? John chapter 16. And go to verse number 17. John 16. And let's go to verse number 13. Number 13. It says here, when the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you things that are things that are to come. Jesus has given his disciples some very good news right before his death. Now, this is right before Jesus goes to the cross. John's book is interesting because Jesus had a ministry of three years, and John focuses the first 11 chapters of the book on the three years of Jesus' ministry, but the last 11 chapters on the last two weeks of his life. And then he gets to this portion right here where he's talking about going to the cross the night before his death, and Jesus has to choose his words very, very carefully, and you know that the last words of a person are very important. And now he's looking at his disciples, and if you've read the Gospels just one time, you know that the disciples are morons. They remind me, I live in California at the moment, they remind me of California surfer dudes. I always say, if the disciples were around now, they'd get around in a Volkswagen van with a surfboard on top. Because they can never, ever figure it out. And you'd think that they understood by the time Jesus went to the cross, but they didn't. And there had to have been times, Pastor, where Jesus was sitting there alone with the Father thinking, these guys. <laughs> he multiplies the fishes and the loaves once. And then a chapter later does it again and they still can't figure it out. <laughs> Actually, the only thing the disciples did right in the Gospel of Luke, as they went and untied Jesus' donkey. That's it. Wow. So he looks at his disciples at the Passover or the Last Supper. You ever see the picture of the Last Supper? Why are they all sitting on the same side of the table? I saw a funny meme the other day that said, table for 24, please. And they said, well, you only have 12 disciples. Said, yeah, but we all want to sit on this, the same side. <laughs> Why did they paint it that way? I don't know. They surely weren't all sitting on the same side. Right? Jesus looked at him and said, I got good news, especially for you, Peter. I got good. You're going to want to hear this, Peter. I'm sending to you a guide. Now, the Greek word here for guide is hodas, not hodown, hodas. <laughs> this word here is quite pictorial and gives you a description of the Spirit because it means someone who takes you down a trail, somebody who's taking you down a trail. 
Now, this becomes really illustrative when you go to the book of Acts and you discover the book of Acts is like a metaphor for the Christian life. The book of Acts starts in Jerusalem. It winds its way through Macedonia and Europe, tests and trials and shipwrecks, and then it ends in Rome where the Apostle Paul finds himself on trial about to meet Caesar. And along the way, you see trials, tests, persecutions, mistakes, arguments, infighting, every conceivable difficulty that the Christian life could ever experience. And you wonder how, by the last chapter, God's plan, despite it all, is on track. And you realize that there is the Spirit of God leading and guiding the disciples into the perfect will of the Lord. A tour guide. Now, I always tell my parents that if ministry doesn't work out for me, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to become a tour guide at Disney World. You say, Pastor, why Disney World? Because I have been to Disney World more than any other place on the planet. I have been to Disney World more times than you. I can promise you that. How many times have I been to Disney World? Well, I'm going next in two weeks from now. Okay, so that'll make like 20 or 21 times. My parents took me to Disney World when I was a kid 17 times. Oh, my gosh. Wow. By the last time, I wanted to tell my dad, Dad, you do realize there are other places in this world to go enjoy life than <laughs> Disney World. The reason why the lights at the Magic Kingdom are on is because of the Palmer family. The reason why Mickey Mouse still has a job is because of my crazy Italian family. We're the ones that kept that mouse in business. There's something in the air. There's something in the food that gets you addicted to going to Disney World. We went there so many times. By the time I was 11, I'm having nightmares that Pluto is going to walk in my room and murder me. He's shown up on my dream. That mouse is... Disney World, I'm tired of that place. But if it fails, if all should fail, if everything goes under, that's what I'm going to do. And if I, if I get the job, I want to go to the Magic Kingdom. I want to be the tour guide at the Magic Kingdom and just take happy families around. Because I know it. So, well, close your eyes. Well, you, you clo I'll close my eyes. You keep your eyes open. Watch this now. This is what happens. If you've never been to Disney World, you're going to get a tour this morning. Are you ready? The first thing you do is you decide how you're going to get to the park. Yeah. You have a decision to make. My suggestion, Pastor David, is that you catch the monorail at the Contemporary because you can park there for free. <laughs> or the Polynesian. You can get there, but you have to go by boat. And if you really want a romance, go by boat. It'll take you all the way to the Magic Kingdom. Whether you go by monorail or you go by boat, you're going to get to the front of the gate where you're going to have to pay, to this day, $164 to enter that park. Yes, yes. And then pay $40 for food. Right. But it's okay. If you're in a bad mood, you will see a flower bed with Mickey Mouse's face on it that will make you happy to pay that $164. <laughs> You will be smiling because everybody else is smiling and that $164 will seem like nothing to you. When you enter the park, the first thing you will smell is the smell of fresh brownies. Yes. Yeah. And the first place you must walk is on Main Street. Yeah. Or to the left, you'll find souvenir shops. To the right, you'll find a nice, wonderful brownie shop with ice cream that you can indulge yourself with. If you come out of there, the very first thing you'll do is you'll see a statue with Mickey Mouse holding the hand of Walt Disney, and they look happy. And you will have the first decision to make all day, and that is go left to Adventureland or go right to Tomorrowland. And if you are a Palmer, you are not allowed to turn right. You must go left. You must start in Adventureland. This is how we do it. We start in Adventureland. You'll see the jungle boat cruise to the left. That ride stinks both metaphorically and literally, that water stinks. They make the same jokes. They say the same stuff they've been saying for 20 years, and you're wondering, why did I pay 160 bucks to do it? But you're happy. 
Then you will get to frontier land. And you, if you are a palmer, you will wait all day, 12 hours in line if you have to, to go on Splash Mountain. You will be happy. <laughs> but I've seen this. Shut up and be happy. This is our ride. Everybody's, yeah, going down it. And you're just like, yeah, okay. Then you'll see Tom Sawyer's Island. We don't do that. We don't mess with Tom Sawyer's Island. Then you'll see the Hall of Presidents, which has been very interesting since the last guy was in office. You keep moving past that. And you'll get, by the end of the evening, to Tomorrowland, where your wallet has been drained your energy has been drained. Yeah. Maybe you have energy to stay for the spectral magic parade yeah. on Main Street. And you'll walk out where you entered in, tired <laughs> and fighting with your family. <laughs> the next day you will get up and do it all over again. <laughs> and the next year will come around and you will make those plane reservations. How do I know that so well? Because I've been there before. I've done it before. And I've been to something that is so familiar to me. I know the way. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit exists out of time. He knows your life. He sees your life. He knows what's waiting for you. And he bids you, follow me. So good, so good. Follow me. Yeah. Doesn't have to make sense to your head. Well, how do I know, Holy Spirit? I've been there 19 times. Yeah, yeah. I know about the flower bed. Yeah. I know about the Hall of Presidents. Mm. I know where to eat. And I know you're a moron. Right. <laughs> <laughs> When I was 22 years old, I was working in downtown inner city Detroit. Me, downtown. I'm not talking about Tiger Stadium and the Lions Stadium. I'm talking about East Jefferson and Ward Street. I was doing hospital visits. And I'm 22, skinnier than I am now. Didn't have this. And I used to carry around... A Dake's Bible, the biggest Bible I could find so that any person in a gang would know, don't shoot the minister. <laughs> My mom used to cry for me when I leave the house every day. I'd say, man, just no, stop, stop. It's going to be okay. Two years, inner city Detroit, Ward Street, East Jefferson, never had a single issue. Wow. Ever. Then there was one day where I decided I was going to take a visit, a bereavement visit, to see a woman. And she's in an area of Detroit that is not dangerous. Nothing happens. This is the most safe area. It is not one of those areas that you duck. Yeah. It's okay. And as I'm driving, the tour guide got in the car with me. The Hodas. The one that knows the way. And I sensed in me a warning that it's not okay to be in this neighborhood. That's why you need to be trained to follow the Spirit. Because we're living in a time. Listen, I don't mean to scare you this morning. I'm here to encourage you. We're living in a time of shootings. We're living in a time of bad news. We're living in a time of terror. We're living in a time where Satan knows his time is but short. We're living in a time of demonic attack. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you and guide you. You are a moron. Don't try to do it up here. Do it in your spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit. Whatever he's telling you to do, do it. Turn to a neighbor and say, stop thinking, just follow. I get to the visit, I'm sitting in the car. And now the Holy Spirit is saying, stay there. How do you know? When he's leading you past it, David, you know. Get out of that relationship. Don't say I do. You're not in love. You are infatuated. That is brain chemicals. That is not God. But they look so fine. They done flown me out, God. 
They drive a BMW. They don't drive it to church, though. I'm done. Good night. Now I'm trying to figure it out. The moron, the dysfunctional Italian. I'm sitting in the car. So I pulled out my phone and I did the only thing I knew how to do. I played bubble pop. <laughs> Suddenly, something hit the side of the car that made my teeth jitter. I look. There are three young men headed towards the vehicle. And they weren't trying to read my Dake's Bible. I didn't have to hear the Holy Ghost at that point. I'm burning rubber out, hitting the streets. I'm driving away. Got out of there, thankful to God. Two weeks later, a woman comes up to me at church and says, Minister Palmer. I said, yes, sweetheart. Will you please pray for my son? I said, of course. What's going on? She said he was walking down the street and he got mugged so bad that those young men left him for dead. They cracked his head open on the side of the street and he's on life support. Will you come to the hospital and pray? I said, I will absolutely come. Where did this happen? The exact same neighborhood in the exact same parking lot. I don't speak for him and why that happened to him, but I know that the Holy Spirit was leading me. Why am I sitting in my car? Doesn't matter. I'll sit here all day. Why is God leading me to do that? Because he has been there 19 times. He knows the route. He knows the way. He loves you. He cares about you. He sees the end from the beginning. And he bids you today, follow me. Some of you today need to make a decision to follow the Spirit. There are times where he wants immediate action. Do this now. Do it now. Do it now. But there are times where he's going to be patient with you. Okay. I'll come back tomorrow. Yeah. You're all doing your thing. Look at me doing my thing. Look at me. And he comes to you and he, he bids you. He nudges you like this. No, Holy Spirit. He nudges you again. No, Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you that I, I believe, I'm talking to some of you this morning. He has been on you about something. You're waking up in the middle of the night not because you had Domino's pizza. Maybe last night, but not, not the night before that. That was God. What do I do? I hear you, Lord. Be like Samuel. Speak. He wants from you a decision and an action to follow him. Because when you follow the Holy Spirit, he will always put blessing into your hands. Are you following me thus far this morning? How many can say, Reverend Palmer, the Holy Spirit has been leading me. The Holy Spirit has been guiding me. He's leading me into all the truth. Romans chapter 8, let's go there. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah, thank you for... The Holy Ghost. Romans 8. We all know this scripture. For all who led, who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, it says here, the Apostle Paul is telling you that... You as morons are in luck today because, you know, you couldn't save yourself. We needed a Savior to save us. We couldn't heal ourselves. We needed a healer to heal us. We couldn't deliver ourselves. We needed a deliverer to deliver us 
And this is telling us we can't even lead ourselves and we can't even pray for ourselves. And he sent to us a leader and someone who would pray through us to do all that for us. That's why we give him the praise. Because when you think about this plan of salvation, he's doing it all. Everything, he's doing it through us. I can't take credit for anything. I, I remember one time I said, well, grace by faith. It's by grace through faith. It was God's grace and I received it through my faith. And I remember thinking, oh, wait a second. Even my faith, God gave me grace to have that faith, so it goes to him. Right? The word here, lead, is another interesting term. It's the word ago, A-G-O. And this was used in the ancient days to describe two things. Number one, a farmer or a cattleman that would lead his cattle by a rope. He would take the rope and he'd put it around the cattle's neck. And when he's driving it, he would pull it. And as he pulled it, that cattle would follow him as far as he would go. When he was done moving, the cattle would stop. And then he would say, let's go again. And then he would stop. And he'd say, let's go again. And then he would stop. And if he had a good cattle, it would do exactly what he told it to do. If he had bad cattle... He might put it down. I remember one time I went to the Turks and Caicos Islands suffering for Jesus and I had to preach. I preached in Turks and Caicos six times. Wow. I'd always call the pastor like, you need, to, you need God, you need revival down there? I hear the Lord saying, you need revival in January. Get me out of Michigan. One day, I knew the pastor well by then. He picked me up from the car. You know, when you start to know someone, they, they start to like... Take their liberties with you. He picked me up and said, Pastor Hanfield, how's it going? Good. Hey, you excited to be back? Yeah, I'm excited to be back. He goes, he, he starts taking me someplace. He's like, where are you taking me? I'm not taking you to church. I'm not taking you to the hotel. Where were you taking me? He took me to his horse ranch. I didn't know he had a horse ranch. He had a horse ranch. Wow. Took me to his horse ranch. I said, what? what? He goes, oh, I, started, I started a horse business, horseback riding around here. He goes, I need you to hop on. I need to take pictures of you because you look like a tourist. I said, I don't know anything about riding horses. He says, if you want your honorarium, you do. (laughs) So I got on the horse and I said, what's his name? And he says, his name is Rascal. (laughs) He didn't have that name for nothing. I would tell Rascal, you know... (laughs) Come on, rascal. By the time we were done with that trip, we went on the beach. You know, we're horseback riding on the beach. Everybody's doing this and that. Everyone's, there's a couple other people. Their horses are just jotting down. It's like, you know, something you see in a Ralph Lauren polo ad. I mean, just beautiful people on horses on the beach and the Turks, they kick all down. And my horse, rascal, decided to sit down and wade in the water. I'm trying to get it to run, and Rascal just decides to take a lunch break. He just goes in the water, and then he turns, and I get caught under the horse, and my leg gets stuck. And I thought to myself, this is how I follow the Holy Spirit sometimes. I don't do what he tells me to do. Instead of running with the other horses and following the will of God for my life, when the Holy Spirit tells me to do something, I'd rather take a lunch break and lay in the water. Why am I stuck, God? Because you won't follow the Spirit. When he says go, you go. When he says stop, you stop. When he says move, you move. When he says don't move, you don't move. But let me tell you that. When you follow the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit bids you, it is going to cause in you sometimes agony. This is where we get the word agony. This word in the ancient Greek was used to describe two wrestlers that were fighting each other. They would grapple. They would fight and toss and turn. And and, and they would scream and yell. If you've ever watched UFC, Patty the Valley, 
Molly the meatball. You know about this. They fight, they kick. It, it, it is not, when, when you look at it, you realize you are watching a contest. Because many times when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, a contest begins to take place inside of you. Do I obey or do I not obey? There is a contest always going on inside of you in this moment. Do I do what he says or do I not do what he says? Some of you, he has told you to ask for forgiveness, to repent to somebody for hurting them. And the contest in you is telling you not to do it. I don't want to do it. I need to go ask them for the forgiveness. No, what if they reject me? It doesn't matter. Don't go by your feelings. Yeah. God, I should break up with them. No, 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 no. I, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to say it. That is, that is a contest you are facing. Listen to what he's saying or you'll get yourself in a mess. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget a contest I had. The dysfunctional Italian, the moron. <laughs> Sitting in church one day, 22 years of age. And I had just graduated Bible school. And I had in the bank a whopping $806. I'm sitting in the service, five-day conference, and I'm worshiping. And, you know, we love worship, especially when the Binions are leading it. And you just, God is moving, and you're crying. And, oh, it's so wonderful. It's just so wonderful. Jesus, I'll give you my life. And then the tour guide spoke to me and said, I want you to sow a seed. I said, okay, 20, 50. What are we talking here, God? $400. My knees got weak. I said, that ain't God. That ain't God. That ain't him. I'm going to wait. I, you know, when you hear God, you got to wait a second. I'm going to check this one out, see if it stays with me. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> I'm going to vet this. I said, okay, God, if this is you, tomorrow when we're worshiping, I'll sense the same thing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of $400. Pay me. <laughs> so I'm an Italian. Goodfellas, Godfather. I don't make no bones about it. Those are my movies, all right? Like it or not, pray for me. You watch those things? Yeah, God's still working on me, right? I tried to cut a deal with God. My sister's here like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why God likes you and me the most, because we're trying to wheel and deal with him, right? She gets it. We go into business together. We make a lot of money. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Give me to the last night of the conference. You'll have your money. <laughs> I'll pay you in full. You'll have your money. I'll make sure you get it. Make sure you get it. Hoping that God would change his mind. Thinking that maybe the rapture would happen at that time. Maybe the dispensationalists were right. There'd be a rapture, you know. I had the check. I had his money in full, full payment. Brought it in a briefcase, unmarked. <laughs> right? Unmarked briefcase. Came walking in with it. <laughs> Suddenly, it was time for the offering. And the contest in me was like two UFC fighters. Do it. Don't do it. Do it. Don't do it. I felt the angel on my left shoulder had been gagged by the little devil on my left shoulder. <laughs> As soon as the thing came around, I made a quick decision. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. Just going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. Even if it's tearful, I'm going to rejoice. Put it in, rejoice, and watch the bucket in slow-mo. Just begin <laughs> to leave me. About 10 days later, I got a call. The church was 20,000 people, mega church. Wow. Didn't know the pastor really knew me. I got a call. He wanted to interview me for a job. I ended up getting that job. Come on. And my starting salary, <laughs> two weeks later, was 100 times 
the amount I had sewed plus a PPO with Blue Cross Blue Shield. I had a shoulder operation the following, didn't have to pay a dime. Blue Cross picked up that check. And I am here to tell you, yeah. I firmly believe if I had not listened to the tour guide, right, right. I don't know what would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still with me this morning? Yeah. Can I have the wonderful worship pianist come to the front? I asked them to come up so you know that I am almost done. <laughs> that is the signal that this is coming to an end. This is the part in the sermon where they tell you to buckle your seatbelts and put your tray table up and to take all your trash from you, to turn your phone on silent. How many ever, when you're, when you're landing, you, you turn your airplane mode off before you actually wheels down? You start getting your text messages like when you're still at like 8,000 feet. <laughs> I was landed in Dallas yesterday and I, I turned my thing on, but I had my notifications on. So I started going ding, ding. And the lady looked at me like, if we crash, it is your fault. She looked at me that way. I said, it it will be my fault, but you're not going to be able to do anything about it because we'll all be dead. (laughs) We'll be burning corpses and you ain't going to do nothing about it. Sorry for the morbidity this morning. It's still early. Romans 8.26, likewise, the spirit helps our infirmities. We don't know how to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Spirit intercedes for us. The Spirit intercedes for us. The Spirit intercedes for us. We've already seen, first of all, let's, let, let's just recap this for a second. The first wonderful thing about God is He wants to hang out with a bunch of morons. He died for a bunch of morons. What do you mean by morons? You keep saying that. Dysfunctional People who have suffered trauma and difficulties and challenges. We're talking about psychopaths, sociopaths, narcissists, all of those things in the DSM, all those things that your counselor is saying that you're suffering with. God decided to put up with you and to deal with you. Yes, you've been divorced three times. Yes, you've had trauma. Yes, your kids have walked out on you, but he hasn't given up on you. He's not taking his spirit from you. But you don't know how bad I've hurt my wife with my words. He didn't take his spirit from you. You don't know how bad that I, what I did to my husband. I didn't cook for, I haven't cooked for my husband in six weeks. Well, shame on you, but guess what? (laughs) He might lead you to the grocery store this morning and put his favorite things in the cart and open up his heart so that your marriage can be restored. He's with the morons. Of whom I am first. And then he's like, okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to hang out with these morons. I got to do something about it. Holy Spirit! Lead them. Lead them. And even when they tell you no, keep leading them. You are the book of Acts. Started in Jerusalem. You may have a shipwreck. You may get beat. You may get made fun of. You may shed some tears. But you need to determine he's going to get me to Rome. He's going to get me in front of Caesar. I am going to bear witness to Jesus. I am going to get it right. I am going to love my wife. I am going to love my husband. I am going to love my kids. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be a good member at church. I'm going to be a tither. I'm going to get behind. I may have caused the Binions a headache, but I'm going to stop causing them a headache. I'm going to be their Advil now. I caused the headache. I'm going to be their Advil. I'm going to be their ibuprofen. If they say jump, I'm going to say hi. We're going to build this church together. And when they do it, they're going to say, they were the biggest morals in the church. Now they're the biggest blessings. He's going to get you to Rome. He ain't going to get there on your own. You're going to get there by the power of the Holy Spirit. The tour guide. The tour guide. He's coming. The tour guide. God's word will come to pass if you let the tour guide bring you into it. He says that he will will intercede for you. Now, this, this word intercede is, number one, where they would use this word to talk about an archer to hit a bullseye. You pull it back and 
So it tells me that the Holy Spirit is, is very interested in you hitting the mark, yeah. which is the opposite of sin. Right. Next, this is a three-part Greek word. It is such a rare word, they call it in theology, are you ready for this? Sounds like I'm speaking in tongues. A, a hepax legumana, which means a word that's no, it's not only used one time in scripture. Wow. It's so rare that they think Paul made this word up. He's making up words like politicians, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> making stuff up. It comes from three words. The first is a preposition. This preposition in the Greek is sigma upsilon nu, or the word sun. It means with. We're going to talk about it tonight a little bit more. But the word with means to come in, in this sense, into partnership with somebody. You would use this word when you wanted to form a business venture with an individual. You're going to shake their hand and they're going to shake yours. And you're going to say, we are, we are in an agreement about something. Yeah. I'm not going to let you go to the dogs and you're not going to let me go to the dogs. If someone's got on your back, I got your back, you got my back. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. You got it? Yeah. The next word is anti. So you get the word antichrist. And as an Italian, antipasta. Yeah. Anti means against. With, against. And then you have the word lumbano, which means to take hold of. The idea is the Holy Spirit joins with you and takes hold of with you against the thing that you are fighting. The best thing I can explain this, and I, I talk about it in my, in my book, Greek Word Study, shameless plug, shameless plug, shameless plug, is a tug of war where you are wrestling against that thing and you're just a, a little 17-year-old, a little 12, a little Timmy to 12-year-old, you can't do it. Then God comes beside you, wraps his arm around you and says, okay, ready? One, two, three, and you pull. Some of you have trauma, difficulty, challenges, areas of your life that need help. And he's saying, soon anti Lombano, let me get beside you and help you with that. I'm going to show you how to be a better spouse. I'm going to show you how to be a better father. I'm going to show you how to be there for your wife, how to be there for your husband, how to love them in difficult times. I'm going to pull against you with that thing. And when I start pulling against that, it's going to give, not because of you, but because of the power of the spirit of Christ Jesus that is working inside of me. We are more than conquerors through the one that pulls with us against the thing that is causing us to stumble and be weak. One more story, we'll close. I go back to my college years, my formative years. I remember, never forget this. I was learning these things and trying to put them into practice. And, and I was coming back to Michigan to get a job. And, and I remember I was, nobody was hiring. And, and I just got in a car. And when you have a car, you need money. When you have a car, you need gas. You need money for all these things. And so I needed a job. And like, I don't come back to Michigan. There's no jobs. I said, no, I want to be by my family. So I took up with the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, I want to leave Minnesota. I want to come back to Michigan. And I want to work. And I prayed three specific prayers, Pastor David. Number one, I want a job that's close to home because I don't want to pay the gas, which back then was like three bucks. <laughs> 2023, two was looking at me laughing. <laughs> three bucks. Wait till it's seven. I wanted to work in the mornings because I wanted to go to church at night, go to the prayer meetings, etc. And I'm like, back then it was like $8 was minimum, minimum wage. And I thought, I want 11. Yeah, 11. That's what I'm believing for, 11. I'll really be making cash then. I felt the Lord was leading me to this furniture store. It was called Art Van. That was a guy's name, Art Van. Art Van Furniture. You know Art Van? You know it? Okay. Midwesterner right here. That's why I like the Binions. We got a Midwesterner. <laughs> I go into Art Van, fill out an application. And they said, Mr. Palmer, we want you to take a drug test. Well, the only thing I was smoking was Jesus, so I ain't going to fail this drug test. All of a sudden, days go by, weeks go by. Didn't hear from anybody. And I'm thinking, wait a second. Maybe they got the cups mixed up. Some of you will get that later. I called and I said, what's going on? They said, uh, uh, yeah, sorry, Chris, we had a hiring freeze. Probably not going to take it off all summer. So, yeah, tough luck. But God 
through his spirit I know had led me there. So I did the only thing I knew how to do. I asked for the help, the one who pulls against me in that thing. And I drove to the art van parking lot. And I lifted up my hands and I said, see, now thinking about it, I'm thinking, well, it's just a job, $11. But back then it meant so much to me. It meant God knew how much it meant that I needed that job. Yeah. Now I'm like, <laughs> come on. Right. But God knew he was patient with me. Yeah. I said, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your spirit. I need your help. I did everything you told me to do. Yeah. I did everything you told me to do. And, and now there's a hiring freeze. Help me, Lord, help me. And I prayed in faith. And I remember even saying, and Lord, if you have to fire somebody, then fire them. <laughs> you know, if you, have, if you have to put someone in cement shoes and make them sleep with the fishes, then do what you got to do, all right? Take care of that thing for me. <laughs> I took care of that thing for you, huh? <laughs> you know that thing, you do that thing, God, you do. Okay, I'll do that thing. Now, the place was already two minutes from my house. So that's, that's number one answered. That's a Wednesday. That was a Saturday. It was a Wednesday. I'm sitting in my bedroom and the phone rings and it's Art Van. I said, hello. They said, Mr. Palmer. I said, yes. They said, good news. Tire and freeze has been taken off. When can you start? I said, let me check my schedule right here. Oh. He said, be here tomorrow at six o'clock in the morning. You'll work from six to two. Prayer number two answered. And we're going to start you at 11.82 an hour. Prayer number three answered. And then he said to me, and beyond time, because the reason we're giving you this job is because we had to fire the guy who kept being late. So don't mess with me because I'll pray you get fired and I'll have your job. I'm not saying that you can go around just firing people. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Right? It's the Trump anointing. You're fired. You're fired. No. But what I am saying, what I am saying is, is listen, listen. You want a supernatural life. Supernatural life isn't just, it's just being weird all the time. And, and reading books by people who are weird. And picking up the lingo of people who are weird. Because that's what weird people do. They pick up the weird language of other weird people. And they all talk weird. And they think they're spiritual. But you're not spiritual. You're weird. Listen, it is doing exactly what he tells you to do. And staying firm that he told you to do it. And it will come to pass. I speak to you this morning, head bowed, eyes closed. Let me prophesy over you this morning. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. I speak this word this morning that the Holy Spirit is making your heart sensitive and is making your heart strong and is giving you the will and the desire now, the initiative to follow what he's telling you to do. Father, I pray this morning for Dwell Church that you give us obedient hearts obedient hearts to know that in the moment of urgency when you're leading us to do something it is not to harm us it is only for our good you're making us obedient God and you're giving us the resolve to follow through and you see says the Lord I've brought you into my house to dwell with me today so that I could soften your heart and steer you to where I am leading you and I am not leading you into a valley full of desert where it's desolate and dead and broken. No, that's the world. That's you leading yourself out of the own selfish recesses of your own heart. But I declare to you this morning, says the Lord, when you follow me step by step, moment by moment, decision by decision, small step after small step, you will see that you will be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that will not give up its fruit, that will bear fruit in times of difficulty and in times of challenges. And people will say, how are they so prosperous? 
prosperous. How are they so joyful? And I will show you that you are prosperous and joyful because I have led your steps. And you will say, surely the Lord is with me. Surely I am like those who dream because God has blessed me because I have followed his spirit. He's leading me when I didn't know that he wanted to bear with me. When I felt that he was done with me, my God stood by me and kept me and had me come as far as he would take me through his spirit. And people will know that you serve me and they will know that I am good because goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. Father, I pray this morning for those that are depressed and those that are angry. The Lord, there's, there's some people here this morning, you are bitter and you are angry. You are, you, 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 are, you are bitter and angry at yourself. There's a man here today. I'm not going to call you up to the front. I'm not going to put you on blast. But you are treating people terribly in your life. People closest to you. And people have been saying, what's wrong with them? Why are they acting this way? What's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? And, 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 and recently you have just, you have just started to, to become conscious of the fact that you're destroying relationships. And, and you're angry at yourself. And the Lord wants you to know two things. Number one, the close people to you, they love you and they still care about you. And number two, today's the day to give it up. Today's the day to be free. And the Holy Spirit is leading you in this moment to forgive yourself. Let yourself off the hook and let yourself go. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Agree with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for this individual that's here this afternoon. Lord, give them the ability to forgive themselves. May their heart be healed of every emotional wound, of every trauma. May their heart be healed, Lord, of, every, of, of, of the memories that they're holding against themselves. May they realize that in Christ, that when we, when we ask for forgiveness, we're new creations. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. May they receive the understanding, the revelation in their life that they are free from their past. And may they see themselves the way that Christ sees them. Replace that bitter root with forgiveness and love and joy. We commit them unto you, God. May Dwell Church be a place where people follow the Spirit. And may there be, a, may there be constant testimony of blessing and supernatural encounters because of the leadership of your Spirit. We give you praise. We bless your name, and we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, somebody say amen. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.